Welcome back to the Two Beers Please podcast. We had a lot of fun talking World Cup qualifiers and talking all things Will Smith and Chris Rock. Now we are back. But we talked NBA too. Now we are back and we're talking about the main focus of March as per usual. It is the NCAA tournament, the heartbreak of Iowa. Not not yet credit, you know, glued in yet, but it, it's starting. You know, the to- time heals all wounds, right, Matt? Yes, it does. It, it does. does. It does. And uh, and that is how it's saying we're just been able Keegan, to in- Keegan's gone. We wish him well. Of course. Joey T Joey T's gone, which is sad, but I don't blame him. Because Fran stopped playing him that much. So go get yourself some playing time, Joey T. Whatever you play next year, I'll be cheering for you. Yeah, maybe him and, and no, Jack Nunji's probably done after this, but I was gonna say him and Nunji both on Xavier. Let's just have an Iowa Xavier transplant. I hope he I hope he comes back to New York. Come play for come play for the Red Storm. Come play for the, for the Johnnies and I'll go to every St. John. I'll go to Carnesecca Arena every game. Um, more than that, go to St. Pete's. That way we can really become real St. Pete's fans. Let's do it. <laughs> that would be sick. If Joe, look, if Joe Toussaint transfers to St. Peter's, uh, we will go to a, a game. 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. All right. Well, let's start there. The final four has been determined, and it nearly included a 15 seed. And if there's anything to take away from this tournament and its legendary status, it is the St. Peter's. Peacocks. They made it all the way to the Elite Eight. Uh, and, uh, you know, what else is there to say about the Peacocks except congratulations? And really, they stuck in there with some of the best teams in the country. You know, at the end of the day, they didn't have the rebounding ability and the, and the players to keep up with UNC. Um, but but they did give they did give it a shot. And uh, will we remember the St. Peter's team for years to come? Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. For me, it's like, I mean, if they would have made the final four, it would have been for sure. Greatest Cinderella of all time. Like not even arguable for me. I think George Mason is still my favorite Cinderella just because they had quite a run to like they took down Michigan state, North Carolina, that UConn team, maybe in the elite eight was is insane. And, and Laranega was just such a great coach. And probably my being younger when that happened, there's a little bit of that, just the nostalgia. But I, I think I, I would put St. Peter's at, as my number two favorite Cinderella of all time. Just it was such an amazing run getting by Kentucky and then like getting, but because like that first game, it's a little easier to kind of sneak up on people for them to go and beat Purdue. Like they did, like they, they had no, no business doing that and hell of a run. And uh, they will, they will certainly be, remembered the peacocks will when march comes comes around every year just say peacocks will evoke feelings i think memories memories i think they'll be like who's gonna be the saint peters at this tournament from now on i mean at least for the next couple years so uh i do think that they've earned themselves that and we congratulate them on their run now let's talk about the final four most shocking final four let's go baby all time it is, uh, you know, just a bunch of ragtag teams with no experience whatsoever. Bunch of Celtics. Bunch of Celtics teams. You know, we just want to win. We've never won before in the last two years. Um, no, it is It is going to be a really, really exciting Final Four, despite, despite that little sarcasm I just had. On one side, you've got a titanic 
rivalry clash that has never been seen in the tournament before. UNC versus Duke in Coach K's final year. Could you have written it better that that happens after UNC beat Duke in the final game? Like, after that, how could this be any better? How could this be set up any better? Couldn't. Couldn't happen. No, it couldn't. And, like, you kind of thought they were going to get their chance in the ACC tournament. Like, all right, Duke will be able to get back at them. But, like, that wouldn't even have been really – like, that wouldn't have been all that much of, like, getting back at them. If they beat them now, like, I really think – and especially if they beat them now and go win it all, then it does – like – then them losing at Coach K's home, like, last home game, it does become part of the story, but, like, in a good, like, oh, they got him there. But then Duke Rose later on. Like, it, the storyline is there to, like, not erase what happened on that last game, but make it, like, make the lore of this whole final season that much more, you know, perfect storytelling. Right. I mean, some people are talking about that whoever wins this game will have eternal bragging rights because it's like they would make the final and like when's the next time they're going to play in the tournament probably not anytime soon so what do you think you you do you think that's I think, true well, I, north no because north carolina has like lead, like north carolina shouldn't be there okay like if, if north carolina was a one or a two seed i mean north carolina is very talented like they, they should be better than an eight seed uh but the team has kind of struggled and and i'm sure too like hubert date like first year being a head coach at a major major program i'm sure there's a bit of a learning curve um, he, he's he's made the turn on that curve. I think he's got it now. Um, <laughs> but like since North Carolina, and, and like there's the stakes for Duke are so much high. Like it's Hubert's first season. It's Coach K's last. So like if North Carolina gets it on Duke, I think North Carolina probably has eternal bragging rights. But I don't think Duke has the same amount of power just because like the stakes for each team are. I mean, like North Carolina always expects to be in the final four. They always expect to be. But like this, if, I, I, I don't care what Tar Heel Franny put in front of me. I, they're like the majority of them could not have been like, oh yeah, we're going to make a final four run. Right. No, no. I don't think anybody was expecting that. I think people were expecting them to be better than Nate seed for sure. Uh, the final four run was not where anyone had this team. Uh, especially after they, you know, people were thinking maybe they'll win the ACC tournament. They obviously didn't do that. So it's not like they had a lot of hype going in. They definitely have turned that corner, uh, I would say as well. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. I, we've been talking about how is the pressure affecting Duke with this last season. And now they get into a situation that is the highest pressure situation that any Duke has team has ever faced since Coach K came into 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 the league, where if you lose, you what is at stake is you're not going to the final, you're not winning the tournament with Coach K ever again, you're not playing with Coach K ever again, and the last game you played, you lost to your biggest rivals. I, what what who's could an, be who's an eight who's an eight seed? Who's an eight seed? I mean, what what could be more at stake? Do you think that's going to affect the team in a way that we haven't seen so far in this tournament, or do you think they're going to continue rolling? They've been really, really good in the tournament. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it will. Like the, the way they're the mindset that they've had in this tournament has been. I, I don't. It hasn't affected them, and, and I understand that. Like at each, you know, the, the spotlight becomes brighter and brighter from. The round of 32 to the Sweet 16, from Sweet 16 Elite Eight to Final Four, and certainly all the other implications with the rivalry and such. But I just the way that this team is carrying themselves right now, I don't, 
I don't see that. Like if Duke loses, I think Duke's going to lose because North Carolina plays a better game. I, I don't think it's begun because these guys are like, I, I know they're young, but, but they've, they've got, there's been a maturity growth. I mean, they're, they're easily playing their best basketball of the year right now. And it's, it's been impressive. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about sweet 16 elite eight. What do you think was the most shocking loss? Sweet 16 elite eight. What really had you on a turn? You know, we had some, we had three number one seats go out. Uh, you know, a lot of really favored teams, obviously the Purdue loss you just talked about, uh, to St. Pete's. So what was the most shocking loss of you from those two rounds? Yeah. I mean, obviously most one is, is St. Peter's over Purdue just because the 15 over the three, we'd never had a 15, a 14 or a 13 make it to the elite eight. So that like, just that sort of history being made and, and like Purdue was a team that even though they were a three seed, I think a lot of people were like, a lot of people were like Purdue is one of the, those teams that like you really could see winning the national championship. Um, so that was obvious, but like I, since that was so obvious, I don't, I also kind of think like Arkansas over Gonzaga was, was kind of surprising to me. Houston over Arizona after Houston, after their first two games, you could kind of see you're like Houston might be able to, to get it done. And not that like I didn't think Arkansas could beat Gonzaga, but I was more surprised with Arkansas. And maybe even just how that game went, because Arkansas really seemed to to be in control like the whole game. Gonzaga felt like they were on their heels the whole time. And that that surprised me a lot. Yeah. I I also picked the Gonzaga Bulldogs loss. And and the reason I say that is because you know, the things that we were worried about Gonzaga actually came to fruition in the biggest way. I mean, we were worried that they just didn't have the players to do it and they got outplayed. We were worried that they didn't have the belief in themselves to do it. And you just saw at the end of that game, it just didn't look like they were going to come back at all. Like it just didn't look like it was going to happen. And at the same time, though, you expected that it was because it's Gonzaga. But but that's the story of the season. They almost got knocked out a couple times. And Arkansas was a good team, but none of us were saying Arkansas is going to win it all. None of us were saying that. Arkansas is a great SEC team, and in the SEC, you know, they, they prove themselves as the better team that's still in it. Um, but the Gonzaga, the Gonzaga loss was really, really uh, surprising to me. The Arizona loss was also really surprising, though. I, I know Houston played really well, but, but uh, we saw Arizona kind of play passively and, and, you know, maybe that's indicative of how good Houston was in that swarming defense and such. And they played a really hard game. But I felt like I saw Arizona play slow for the first, for the first time all season. And I was like, that's so – it just felt very out of character for them. Like they were scared of the matchup. Um, so that was very shocking to me. I expected Arizona to be in the Final Four. So, And I do – I like it in the comparison of the two. I do think that one had more to do with, with Houston, like making it like that why it felt like Gonzaga just like they just didn't have that uh, or like you know like it it felt like more like Gonzaga was in their head while Houston was like no we're gonna force this onto you Arizona you know right no, no, and, maybe, sure. and maybe and maybe and maybe I'm not giving Arkansas enough credit there as well and, and Arkansas certainly had had something to do with that in the way they play um but it was especially the way like Gonzaga went out last year and stuff just like they didn't there just wasn't that much fight and i was i was very surprised 
Right, exactly. Because you, you know, last year the team, you know, really fought from behind, and, and that's why we expected them to win. This year, just like I said, the belief wasn't there. The top players weren't there. You know, you saw Chet Holmgren, you know, foul out in that game, and it's just like, where does how does that affect his draft stock? Do you think a lot? No, I don't. He, I, I think he's top three. I think he'll probably go third now. Like I, I think Bonchero and and Jabari Smith have shown a little bit more. Um, than he has right now. But I also, I also think the NBA is more, is going to be more his speed. I do think he'll probably get a little more muscle. He'll get a little stronger, but he really does like he's dangerous in the open court. So in that, that kind of fast paced NBA thing, I think he'll, he'll adapt to better than the college game. Like I, I don't think he ever really adapted to the college game. And okay. So interesting. So you think that the pros is going to be, more his speed. It'll be more his style. Yeah. Well, is that because of the speed of the game, or 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 the way yeah, that just the speed of the game, the the just like the the like the side like the NBA is just it's so much more spread out. Like like Chet Holgram is it, it, like he can do some traditional big things, but he's not like a traditional big that wants to like pack it down. Like he's not like Drew Timmy. Like Drew Timmy wants to pack it down low and and battle and all that. I, I think Chet wants to. He wants to be able to be more like a stretch four or even a stretch five because he is so big. But so I think the spacing and, and the speed, the pace of, of the NBA is far more suited for his skill set. Right. No, that's very fair. I, I only ask because, you know, Yannick's still trying to learn about basketball. So I always love a little online yeah. lesson here for sure. Um, well, and they are, they are like, it is just like, it's the, those minor differences. And it's, it's always weird where you where you can be like, yeah, the much more difficult level, he's going to be better at that one. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, in, in this Elite Eight uh, round of 16 rounds, who do you think the most impressive player has been? You know, you have some stars, Paolo Banchero, you mentioned. Albert in Kansas, you have Agbaji. Are you looking at them? Colin Gillespie and Villanova. Or are you looking at another player as kind of your best player from the final, last two rounds? It's been calling Gillespie for me. He's been, yeah. it's not flash. It's not flashy numbers and that, but that's not Villanova. And he's just been so, so consistent, which is what he's been all year. And it's kind of why we have underrated their team because they're, I mean, they're probably, they're the least flashy Villanova team ever. And Jay Wright usually isn't all that flashy, but this team is, is even more considerable. Just like we're going to just play really solid, smart basketball for 40 minutes. And you're, we're not going to beat ourselves. You are going to have to come and beat us. Um, and, and he's been a big part of that. And he's been, I think too, my always concern with this team was I was like, can you guys make enough shots? And he's been making big shot after big shot for them when they need it. And uh, that's all you can ask for from a star player. Right. I mean, it's funny. You, you think about Villanova and the answer seems simple. If you stop Colin Gillespie, that team isn't scoring 20 points on you. Like truthfully, they cannot play outside of his skill set. But can you stop Colin Gillespie? I, no. <laughs> so well, he does. He does so much. And right. like their team works so well together on the offensive side of the ball spacing wise, where you go here, where do we find the little space to get an open shot or to get you a lane to get like, so his ability to influence the offense, whether he shoots it or not is incredible. Like I, I've never seen a guard drive down to the low post, stop, and then like set up the offense from there as much as he does. It's insane. 
Right. No, I mean, we knew how good he was, but he's really been showing out in a way that Stark players tend to do uh, on teams that go far. Uh, that was a dumb statement I've made. Jeez. Um, he's doing well is the point of what I'm trying to say. Uh, I'm yeah, going <laughs> uh, to go with kind of a lower one. I, I I thought, you know, Gillespie, Agbaji, Panchero, of course they've been playing well. That's why they're... Agbaji's been crap. He has me. He was good this last game. He was good. Yeah, he had one. He had one good game. Eighteen points. Yeah. yeah, Remy Martin. Remy Martin. Remy Martin. That's fair. He's That's finally. Fair. He's finally. He's finally shown. He he didn't do as well in the Elite Eight game, but he's been. He was kind of who KU was expecting to be the the Ibaji of this year after he transferred from ASU. Wasn't all that good in the regular season, but God, he's been good in the tournament. Right. Well, the player I'm looking at is on the Tar Heels, and it is Armando Bancott. I think that he is doing really, really well. Uh, he's, he, I think he had like 15 and 13 in the first game, 20 and 22 in the in the win over St. Peter's in terms of points and rebounds. He's a really good big big man that's kind of coming into fruition these last two games. Uh, I think he's going to be the main threat against Duke. Um, yeah, I think Armando Baycott's been crazy. And you know, uh, you know, UNC they do have like a couple players. You look Caleb Moore, uh, Caleb Moore, and uh, Caleb Love, sorry, and Brady Manick. You know, so I think that maybe R.J. Really, Davis, R.J. Davis. Yeah, the 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 love gets spread, but I do think Armando Baycott has been really, he really impressive. Yeah, he's been really impressive. So uh, he's kind of the player I'm looking at. It's like my favorite player, not favorite. That's not favorites, but like my 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 most impressive player over the last two rounds. Yeah. Uh, I've really liked how he step up. Show for show. Um, yeah. So, Villanova, we just talked about them. They win the South region uh, despite our preseason tournament doubts. You know, we're like, easy out. Easy out. <laughs> um, and they showed us up. Uh, what what has changed for them in this tournament? Is it just Colin Gillespie's play? Or do you think that, you know, they, they have found a way to hold down teams and that they can do the same against Kansas? You know, they held down Houston. They held down Michigan. Um, what are you expecting from this team in the next round? And this is, remember, they, they just lost a big part of their offense for this next game. Yeah. They have a big... Injury. It's going to look a lot different without Justin Moore. Yeah, it's going to look crazy different, and we'll see how they slot in and stuff. Um, but 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 given how they've played, what are you, what are you expecting for Villanova in the Final Four? But I, th- I think they still have a, a, cho- a, a, a good shot just because of how they play. They'll certainly miss Justin Moore, but it, it's a team that, again, is just so consistent. And, and I don't think anything's changed for Villanova. I think, again, it just goes to back to, like, they're not that flashy. They just do every basketball thing well. And over 40 minutes, they're going to play better basketball than you. And, and that's come like it's been shown throughout the all four of their games of just like how consistent they've been. And it's, it's been really impressive. And it's, it's, it's an easy thing to underrate, especially in like conference play. So it's like, ah, how good is the big East and everything. But uh, time and time again, whether how good the big East is Villanova is, is really good. And I, I think mostly it was just underrating them because they don't have a lot of gaudy numbers uh, and such, but it, it's a team that, is it, it, I mean, like their free throw percentage, I think tells it all when you talk about this Villanova team. Yeah. Crazy free throw percentage. Um, it's funny. A lot of good free throw shooters uh, shooting teams in this final four. It's almost like someone said, because you have shooting. to make the free throws. That's like almost like someone said it. Um, yeah. I actually speaking, I, we're, we're, gonna, we're just going to go back for a second. Duke UNC, two great teams that get to the get to the get to the free throw line consistently 
Um, and I think whoever can do that in better against the other one is going to be the one that wins. Um, I agree. I think our problems with Villanova have have not gone away. But like you're right, we didn't we didn't give what they're good at enough credit, and we just looked at what they're not good at. Exactly. And and that's just not how not how basketball's played. You know, the Nets are they great at defense? No. But is Kevin Durant unstoppable? Yes. So we can talk bad about their defense all they want. If Kevin Durant scores forty two points, it doesn't matter. So, you know, Villanova is really great at what they do. They have a really consistent image. They have a consistent coach. And that's why I think despite the Justin Moore injury, that, you know, I, I, I'm not just taking Kansas off, off, off a win because of that injury. It's definitely going to change the outlook of their team. But it's not like if they lost Colin Gillespie, there would be no chance. There would be no chance for this right. game. Um, right. But he's not Colin Gillespie. Another one, but another one of these teams would have lost like a, a, their second leading scorer. Because that's what Justin Moore is. I, I would have been like, Ah, that's that's probably a bigger hit, but because of just how they play, and and it will hurt them too because rotation wise they don't have they're not a very a deep team. But none of these teams are are deep. I mean, none they, of them. None of these teams go real like seven eight deep. It's it's a pretty tight rotation. So I, I don't think, and, and the way they play isn't going to hurt them as much because they're not rushing to take the shot. Right. They are going to take their time dribbling that ball up the court. They're going to take their time running off like. They're, they're going to save their legs just in the way they play. Yeah, that game's going to be the fastest one of these of these two for sure because they're just going to run the clock. Um, and I think also who they're playing is, is going to help them, right? Because you said they're going to want to pace themselves because they're not going to want to go too deep into their bench. And they're playing a team that doesn't necessarily take it to you and doesn't push the pace as much. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that team now. Midwest champions, got to give them their credit before I, I get shit on them. Kansas, uh, they thrashed Miami. They best Providence on their way to the Final Four. Was it the most impressive two games in the world? Um, you know, against the competition, maybe they, not. Neither were really close. But yeah, but neither were really close as well. That's fair. Um, and so there are the only one seed left. And as the only one seed left, are they the clear favorites left? No, I, I think Duke is just because the way that Duke's been playing and and the teams that beat like Kansas was very impressive in both their wins over Providence and Miami. But Duke, while the games actually I mean, the Arkansas game wasn't close, the Texas Tech game was kind of close. But like those wins over Tech and Arkansas impressed me far, far more than than the wins of Kansas. I think just the way that Duke's been looking and the talent that Duke has. Like it, it's not just that like oh that two seed over there looks good. Like Duke is, you could argue, the most talented team of all 68 teams in this field. So we also know that like their ceiling is as high, if not higher than anybody's. And it seems like they're getting close to that ceiling. So that's why I do go Duke over Kansas as the favorite. But you have Kansas as the number two. Yeah, I would. I think I would put Kansas as the number two. I'm not going to pick Kansas. But. No, I mean, no. Okay, cool. Um, how have their stars performed? We've been kind of critical of McCormick. You just, you just kind of put it out loud there about Akbaji. So they haven't. Have they done enough for you to to make you feel like this Kansas team can reach that a higher ceiling, or do you think they're still kind of limited in that way? I think this team has enough guys. I mean, like like I said, like because Akbaji had 18 in, in the Elite Eight game. He played well there, but otherwise, the first three games only averaging 10 points which is not what you expect from a guy that's, you know, an apparent national player of the year candidate um, and first team all American. 
but they have enough guy. I mean, like I think McCormick's done well enough setting the, the tone down low, but then you, you still have Braun. Like I said, Remy Martin has stepped up. K- Kansas has, has enough other guys where they don't really need Akbaji to be, to be dropping 20. I do think they need to be, I think he needs to be playing better than he had. Like, I don't think he can get away with scoring 10 points. He's just too good of a player, but I don't think they need him to be like, all right, I got to go drop 25. I got to drop 30. Like I 15 to 18, I think is fine. Yeah, no, totally agreed. Um, uh, you know, this team is, is playing well despite some of their stars. We feel like they can do more. And maybe, you know, they got two more games. Maybe this is where Agbaji explodes. You never know. Um, but let's go now to the West region because you said you took the words out of my mouth, Matt. Duke wins over Texas Tech and Arkansas were so damn impressive. That last sequence that they had against Texas Tech in those final seven minutes against that defense that we know is so good from the Red Raiders, that for me cemented them as my favorites because I'm like, no team has been able to do that against Texas Tech all year. And and Duke really showed out there in the end to, to get the win. I mean, it, may, it, it literally made me be like, I don't think you got a chance, Arkansas. Yeah. Like after Arkansas beat Gonzaga, I was like, ooh, I'd like, they could give Duke or Texas Tech like a, a nice, a good game. And then the way Duke ended that game, I was like, I, yeah. Mm. Ah. But I won't put money on it. <laughs> but I won't right. put money on it. Um, yeah. So what do you think is the biggest strength of Coach K's side heading into a fairy tale ending? Is it is it Paolo Blanchero? Is it kind of the strength of their their starting five? Is it just the talent level? Is it their ability to get to the line, which they are so, so good at doing? I mean, what do you think the biggest strength is for Duke? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's their their NBA talent. Like they, they got five guys that are that are gonna be probably playing on NBA rosters next year. Um, with Paolo Manchero, you got AJ Griffin, Trevor Keels is a great player. Mark Williams has, has been absolutely crushing it. Uh, so I like this, this team is just has so, so, so many talented guys, um, that can do a lot of different things. They're like, that's what I've been really impressed with Bonchero in this, this run is I, I, there was times in this season where since he was the star player and he is so extremely talented, I think he got a little bogged down in just being a scorer. And we've seen him facilitate the ball a little bit more on some of his drives uh, and just become more of a, of a well-rounded offensive player. And, and it helps those other guys start uh, to take advantage. So, yeah, I just think it's that, that top-end talent that they have. Right. No, totally agreed. Uh, yeah, I, I... Man, I just... Seeing that Texas Tech game... I, I remember watching and being like, just man, how did this, how does this even happen against Texas Tech? I mean, to win is, is, is one thing, but really to dominate the way they did at the end there, at the end especially, when you know Texas Tech has been really good at closing out games, uh, was really impressive. That being said, they're going to be playing North Carolina, their rivals, who beat UCLA, you know, another top team, and kicked the doors off of St. Pete's, truly like the most dominant win of the first of the last two rounds, if we're being honest. Um, are they a true title contender? I mean, obviously, Final Four, you want to call them that. But are they a true title contender in these four? Was their path, you know, among the easier ones, or or do they have a chance to keep up with Duke for real? I think they. I think they're definitely a title contender. I um. I, I think you know it's a team that we already talked about. Like they, they're talent wise, they just haven't reached the, their highest, you know, uh, ability yet. And and I think they they've started to do that as the end of the year. We thought we thought maybe they did when they beat Duke. You mentioned earlier before. Then they go to the AC tourna- ACC tournament. And Virginia Tech kind of maybe brings them back down to earth, but 
they've been impressive in this tournament. And I'd like, yes, they got to beat St. Peter's in the Elite Eight, but St. Peter's beat Purdue in Kentucky. And to get to the Elite Eight, North Carolina still had to beat UCLA, uh, a team I think we all thought very highly of, especially for a four seed. And like, we can talk as much about how Baylor was like the worst one seed, but the worst one seed is still a very, very, very good team. So it, it hasn't been uh, an easy road by, by any means. And I, and I think once you get here, as long as you have the gamers that like North Carolina does, you, you got a shot. Right. And I think they do. I think people, as much as I love Duke and you're right about the NBA talent and, and, and I still can't get over that Texas Tech lost seven minutes of the game. Truly seven minutes in heaven for that team. Um, but I think that seven minutes in heaven. Seven. <laughs> the blue devil closes his eyes with the Red Raiders. LOL. Um, I mean, Coach K probably had his eyes closed. He was asleep at the end of the game. He's he's uh, he's he's getting tired. Um, yeah, he's tired. He's tired. I'm tired um, for these games. Me too. So these, many. These East Coast. These East Coast times. It's uh, 10, 10 30 for some of these tip offs. I'm like Jesus. I know. I'm I old. Watch, I want to watch Suns Warriors tonight, but it's at ten, and I'm like, guys, I work tomorrow. So what do you want me to do? I I can't. Good luck, Suns and Warriors. Morning. Yeah, good luck. Mm. Um, but North Carolina has some, <laughs> North Carolina has a lot of great teams though, uh, players as well though, and and I think any of them like Mark Williams, you're talking about great player for Duke. I think he's going to have his hands full with Armando Baycott. I, I really do. Absolutely. So I think that there are matchups to be exploited for the Tar Heels, and I think you know they just have to play their game. They don't want to get now into a foot race with Duke because Duke is going to try to push the pace. You know, they have to rely on their good three-point shooting, on their good shooting in general, get to the line when they can, and not be swept up in the moment. Um, because then Duke, I think, can really run away with this game, and it might be ugly. But, uh, you know, I think it's just about staying true to they are, and, and they showed that they could do that in the first game. So I definitely think it's possible. And uh, let's just get to it, Matt. Final four, Duke, UNC, Kansas, Villanova, and we're going to pick a winner. So between Duke and UNC, who do you got? Well, I'll just I'll just give you my I'll just give you my championship pick because that'll do answer it. all three. I've got I've got Jay Wright. He's going to become, I believe, the sixth head coach to have three or more national titles. Joining the man he will be, and the Duke Blue Devils uh, winning the national championship. So Villanova over Duke in the national championship. Damn, what a what a crazy thing that would be. Two legendary coaches in the end. Uh, I'm going to go a different one. I have Coach K beating UNC in the Final Four, getting to the final, playing another almighty team in Kansas, and he beats the Kansas Jayhawks and goes out on the highest of highs, wins the tournament. No matter, no matter which coach, like wins it all it's gonna be historic because historic. you start yeah. you're like coach k is you know he's gonna he'd win his sixth it's his last season that's as as much as as anybody i think you i think it'll i think he'll have i think he, he actually might already have second uh total i think i think wouldn't the only one in front of him but regardless we'll go out on a high note six national titles jay Wright, like i said would become one of only six coaches to have three national titles. Bill Self can become one of, of a handful of coaches with multiple national titles. And Herbert Davis could, or Hubert Davis could win a national title in his first season. Like no matter which coach pulls this off, it, there's going to be like some cool history that comes along with it. Right. Which is what makes this blue blooded final four still exciting. Otherwise it would be a little right. bit of a, it like, 
at first you're kind of like, ah, it's those four. But then when you really think about it, you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Because oh, yeah. here's the thing, too, with Cinderella. Like, I love Cinderella's. I loved when George Mason made it. I loved when VCU made it, all that. Most of the time when they get there, then they kind of shit the bed. Like, it, right. when it's four teams that, like, know what the Final Four is like and, and I have seen those, like, not only have seen those lights, expect those lights, the games normally are better. Like, they really are. Would you think if this Duke-UNC matchup was happening and Coach K was retiring and it has happened last year when Roy Williams was still there, do you think that would be bigger? With him? Absolutely. And it, Absolutely. It, it, imagine they both, it was their last, one of them was going to be sent into retirement. <laughs> yeah. That would have been nuts. Oh my God. One of them's going to send the, I didn't even realize that. One of them sending the other into retirement. That would have been, that would have been, Oh man, I can't even imagine. There would have been so much blood spilt in that game, truthfully. Um, I, I just, man. See, that would have been all time. All time. Uh, all time. Um, uh, trash talk, like ownership in the rock. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. I mean, th- that's eternal dibs. That's eternal bragging rights for yeah. sure. Because eternal. you have both of those uh, coaches and they're so, so good. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Uh, we talked about it and now I'm like pumped again. I was getting a little over it, but I'm, I'm, I'm pumped again. Uh, they're be good games. It's, it's just a lot games. of basketball. That's all it is. Um, and yeah, it's going to be really interesting and there's so much good sports going around guys. So, so tune into it all. It's all getting to playoff time. Uh, we'll be talking about hockey here in a couple weeks because that's also getting to playoff time and we love hockey playoffs. So we'll mention that MLB yeah, season too. starting out. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep you posted on that as well. But for now, let's go to the quick fire questions. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it, baby. You sound like, you sound like, you sounded like the, uh, the kid from the Simpsons that had like, that's like going through puberty. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh uh, yeah. I Simpsons. do. I don't know his name, but I, I do know who you're talking about. Puberty. Puberty kid. Puberty kid. <laughs> that's not a good one. Oh my God. Hey, puberty already. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, listen. Barely. Barely. Um, so a way too early look into the future. We got, it's going to be Duke UNC. It's going to be Kansas Villanova in this one of those teams in this in this tournament who is your pick to win next year's ncaa tournament i don't know that's a quick fire Ar- question i want to Ar- answer Ar- arkansas arkansas Ooh. They, just got, they just got they just they just got another big signing this weekend at the mcdonald's all-american game they've got the second best recruiting class coming in only behind the duke blue devils uh but must must have something cooking Three seasons there. He's taking them back to the lead eight, two straight years. The Razorbacks, or the yeah, Razorbacks, the Hogs, the Hogs, the Hogs. Sue, Willie, Woo, Sue. What's the pig? Pig Willie. I gotta go look it up. No, please look it up. Do do that for us. My pick while he looks that up. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Who do I want to win? Not want to win. Who do I think is gonna win? You know what? I'm also gonna throw like a, a little one in. I think it's gonna be. Yeah, I'm gonna go with with I'm gonna go with Purdue. I'm gonna go with Purdue gets it done next year. I think Purdue gets it done next year. That's what I'm gonna go with. Them and what roster? 
They're just gonna get a good roster. I have a feeling. <laughs> We're looking really far in the it's future. So I have a- <laughs> it's so tough to tell with like with I mean like transfers now, and like I think there's some guys that'll still have like years of eligibility that can come back. So it's gonna be nuts. It's always yeah. tough to like. It's also woo pig suey. There we go. Woo pig suey. Uh, what a name. Um, yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm going to change my answer. If we're getting to be, pick whoever, I'm going to pick a homer pick. Iowa Hawkeyes. Chris we're, Murray. We're not, pick, we're not picking whoever. I had reasons for my pick. Chris Murray's going to do what Keegan and Luca did, break the record again, and we're going to finally <laughs> make it. Hell Let's yeah. Go. The pain is over. The pain is over. Oh. I'll just take I'll just take the second weekend. I don't need a national championship. It's, uh, it's sweet 16. Come on. Oh man. Alright, next question. So we talked about African teams and their pos- their kind of roads to the knockout stages. We did the same with CONCACAF. Which region will have more teams in the round of 16? CONCACAF or AFCON? Not AFCON, CAF, I guess they're called. Uh, man, it's tough. I'll go CONCACAF. I think Africa's, well, tie. It's going to be a tie. They're both going to be a tie. Same teams? Yeah. You think two each, maybe? Yep, two each. USA and Canada, Senegal, and Morocco is going to sneak in. Dang. Look at those picks. You're going to feel real smart. Hakimi. Hakimi's going to have just an incredible run of games. Love it. I love that. All right. So it's a tie, which is an answer. So I'll take it. Um, yeah. Ronaldo and Messi both qualified for this World Cup, most likely their last World Cups. I'm going to give you three tournaments to look at when I answer this question. So keep that in mind. I'm not counting League uh, because that's a joke trophy with PSG. So. Premier League. The, the League Cup is tougher to win. Yeah. Premier League trophy, Champions League trophy, World Cup trophy, and European slash uh, Copa America out town too. Will Ronaldo or Messi lift a major trophy again? Either of them. Oh. No. No. Mm. No. Is that crazy? No. That's nuts. You don't think so? Yeah. I think the best chance is Argentina winning this World Cup. But then I like there you know you know they're de- like they're both going to be done internationally after this one. Like the people have said that in the last 3 World Cup but like I think we all are This one's going to be the last one. And I just think both of the like I think both of them are, are going to get to this point of their career where it's just like I'm I'm getting older. They might still play, but I it's just going to be to make money. Like Ronaldo might go play in like Abu Dhabi so he can make millions and millions of dollars. But like I think that more is where their career trajectory is. Like all right, let's go maximize the end of these playing days to get cash. I mean, yeah. That's kind of what they're doing right now. That's kind of what they're already doing with their moves to Manchester and Paris. Right, but they're gonna even double down. They just they just were expecting that there'd be a little winning that went along with it. Or I think now they're just like, ah, let's just build the brand and Aw. Matt, do you think that it's this uh, is only one year for Ronaldo in, in, in Manchester? Uh I don't know. I think I think there's a better chance that he stays with just like the World Cup and everything and like it being a quicker World Cup 
And then like, like I think Portugal making the World Cup is more advantageous for Manchester United. But uh, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. So you're not giving your team a chance to win the Premier League next year? Is that what you're telling me right now, Matthew? Is that what's going on? Is that <laughs> I, don't know if I, give my, I don't know if I give my team a chance of finishing the top 10. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. I just, hope, I just hope that we can battle in the championship. Bring it on, man. Oh, man. PPR. I'll, I'll include the championship. If you guys get relegated, I think you have a great chance to win the championship. Let me just say that. Um... Oh, man. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we are done with the quickfire questions. Kind of ended on a sad note there, but we have entered the cool dad. Love it. All right. Well, we talked about the Will Smith moment. Now let's talk about non-Will Smith. What was your favorite non-Will Smith moment? Not that it was your favorite, but it was the most talked about. What was your favorite right. moment of the Oscars that cannot include that incident between Will Smith and Chris Rock? Um, got lots. Honestly, I love the uh, the white man can't jump reunion. Oh. Incredible. Um, obviously, Godfather is my favorite movie of all time. That moment was awesome, and like also put to bed uh, a like decade long rivalry between Francis Ford Coppola and um, I'm blanking on his name now, but the, the producer of The Godfather. So that was pretty cool. Uh, what else did I love? A Troy Cutser winning and oh. his speech and like. As you get older, your relationship with uh, the brother of his dad, the tears. Hans tears. Zimmer winning the GOAT, the GOAT of movie scores. Hans Zimmer getting an Oscar. I think he's won one before, but he needs more. Uh, I thought the hosts all absolutely slayed. I loved it. Regina Hall, Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer, Bravissimo. You guys killed it. You kept it well. Uh, Billy and Phine- Phineas, thought they performed well. But but I'll tell you what, Yannick. I've... Bring back the awards. I don't know why they keep making these changes that make it dumber and stupider and longer. I want to see all the awards be nominated. Like the winners get their due credit. I don't care if people are like that. I don't care about best short film. Like that's, that's the stupidest thing ever. So they need to make that change back. Like, I think that's, I, I give Jessica Chastain so much credit. She was like, I'm going to miss a lot of the press stuff because I'm not going to miss when the hair and makeup stuff gets called. Like, they were a huge part of Tammy Faye. They're a huge part of building my character. Like I, I want to see the people that I know worked extremely hard and that I got to work with get their due credit. So fuck yeah, Jessica Chastain. Make it right, Oscars. Yeah, but seriously, like you want to have this big award show and say, well, these things deserve awards, then give awards to everybody or don't give them at all. I just don't understand right. why you would try to separate those things. It's just actively being shitty to like the non on screen talent of these of these situations, which is dumb. Even even like Jessica Jesse, I think she was like, it's, you're like treating these people like like secondary artists. Like you're like being like, hey, you guys aren't as important. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's actively and it's actively not true. They do more than the actors right. do. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah, like you know, I you know I'm an actor. I love actors. Happy for all those people. I was happy. Actors, the easiest damn job on the set. Easiest jam job on the set. Remember your lines. Look at look where you need to look. Hit your mark. Done. You sit on your ass ninety percent of the time, where everyone else is like working their ass off, and then they're like, "Hey, can you act now?" And then you know you do easiest fucking job on the set. Right. Thank you. I'm glad we could say that and not have any (laughs) any uh, any. discussion uh, Troy, yeah Troy Kosa was my favorite moment because when when uh, oh, I'm blanking on her name now when last year's um, best supporting actress um, 
one. No, you know what? I'm going to look up her name because that's rude of me not to say her name. Give me one second. Um, uh, it is... Yunya Yanjang. Yun, is it... Say that name for us one more time. I think it's Yun Yunjung. Okay, Yun Yunjung. Yeah, yeah, Yun Yunjung. Yeah, because she was in the movie. Yeah, 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 for sure. When she presented the award and she decided to sign it before saying the name, so he knew first. Best moment of the episode. So dope. Best moment it of the episode. So dope. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he and like when he went up, and like when he went up there and she like was like to had her like a little yeah it, that was so dope. Yeah, and it's like, it makes me feel like, wow, and also, like, her set was so funny where she's like, I made such a big deal about people saying my name wrong, and now I can't pronounce any of these names. <laughs> was so funny. And that's how you deal with stuff, guys. That's how you deal with, with drama that's happened or not happened. You make fun of it, you move on, because everybody at the end of the day is is not trying to attack everybody else. And if you are, then it's actively there, out in the open, and then you don't have to deal with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, she, it was just funny. I, I love it's it. pretty. It's pretty obvious of, like, someone's intentions and things and i think that's something like that is people like forget like like yes just because someone's intentions weren't harmful words can still be harmful but like i think like you also have to understand like oh like their intention behind it wasn't being harmful so like to jump down someone's throat in that scenario i think is always just like it's rather unfair yeah yes i agree uh it's like People are listening to the words people are saying, which is better than before when no one was listening to anyone. But now it's like they're taking words and like putting their own bias on them. And it's it's becoming this whole like words now mean 80 things all by themselves. And it's like no one's paying attention to anything else. And it's and then, of course, words can become charged and become deadly and become because words are powerful. Yeah. I also want to say, like, I know that our environment is, like, dying, and I know that, like, you know, we're increasing our military budget, which is sad to see, considering all the other places that could use money, yada, yada, yada. But can I just say that, like, people who are saying, my favorite moment of the Will Smith fight was that the climate is dying, and that's what we should be paying attention to. Guys, of course. Of course, like... (laughs) Dude, the people, like the people that that do that shit, I'm always just like, how's the weather up there on that that horse of yours? Ooh. Like, I, it's such a like. It, it, those people don't give a shit about the climate. Those people give a shit about wanting to feel superior to people. Like, oh, yeah. oh wow, you care about Will Smith? I care about the environment. Like, I I don't know what your brain capacity is like. I've got this unbelievable ability where I can fucking, I can do both. I can do both at the same time. It's crazy. I don't know how I've figured it out, but, but I can, I can be concerned with multiple things. It's yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I, can have, yeah, it's, I have more than one thought. It gasses me for the day, but like, yeah. I, I can't have, more than I am that. mentally exhausted when I'm thinking about two things at once. But shit, you know, you just power through. Right. I also just want to don't make like, it a third thing, though. Don't make it like, you know, don't also say I have to be concerned with like poverty or 
you know, world hunger or anything like that. It's, yeah, it would be too, too max. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's Will, and the Will Smith right and the climate change. Yeah. I rotate uh, them by day, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because you're a good person. Um, <laughs> I want everybody God. to get their due. It's so true. And I also think that. I just want to follow those people around for a day and anytime they complain about something be like at least but you're not burning right you're not burning like right. the environment oh you had a bad work day you're not burning like the environment right right oh, right oh your, your jobs are pain in the ass well, some other people's jobs are even more of a pain in the ass because of the environment yeah like, oh yeah, you have you a job a, like you don't get to complain about anything man because if yeah. it's a people like exactly yeah. you don't get to complain about anything that is the point like Everybody needs to calm down. And of course, all these other things matter. And it's like, yeah, we talk about climate change. We talk about the Ukraine crisis. There's a million things that matter. In fact, our lives are filled with things that matter. Oh, you care about your mom dying? The Ukraine crisis is happening right now. It's like. It's it's also like, yeah, we all understand that like. I mean, like hitting someone isn't that trivial, but for the most part, the Will Smith thing is true. Like no one's like, "Hey, this is as serious as this." Like, yeah, yeah. no, it's a pretty trivial thing. I, if this isn't a debate topic at the next presidential election, I don't know what should be. Who was right? Who was in the right, right. Biden? Well, I think exactly. You know, Chris Rock, you shouldn't have made that joke. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you got to give him a slap. Like that's like that's just kind of how it felt. Um, all right, well, we're getting off topic. We are at the end of our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We went through March Madness in this uh, episode primarily, uh, and the last episode, you take a listen. We went through some World Cup qualifying. We went through some NBA, and we went through the Will Smith incident more times than we will do in any other episode because I don't want to talk about it anymore. So, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Figure it out. We got to figure it out. It was, <laughs> we got to figure it out. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. As always, stay safe, uh, wear a mask, be kind to others. Matt, you want to add anything? Uh, love the Ukraine and uh, yeah, just uh, take care of you. That sounds good. <laughs> Cheers, y'all.